This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 246, Chaos, Plinko Boards, and Your Financial Future. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. I want to try to describe something on a podcast that's better seen visually. So that's going to be my tough hill to climb right at the start of the episode. However, uh, I want you to try to imagine a double pendulum. Have you ever seen a double pendulum swinging? We're going to include a link to a video of this in the show notes. Essentially, imagine one bar hanging from a pendulum swinging back and forth connected to another bar also hanging by that pendulum also swinging back and forth. So they're swinging back and forth, kicking up, kicking back, forward and backward. It's a completely erratic and jerking kind of motion, almost like it's fighting with itself to wiggle off those two pendulums. This double pendulum motion is completely chaotic, but it is not random. Chaotic means that it appears random simply because it's very sensitive to the initial conditions, but its movement You have to understand its movement is completely deterministic. If you know the starting conditions exactly, the weight, the wind blowing, everything, you can actually predict the double pendulum's outcome. Let me try to explain the same concept now with another physics experiment. Can you tell I've been doing a little deep dive (laughs) into the old physics textbooks? Uh, Have you ever played the game Plinko? Yeah, maybe you've seen it. Maybe it's been played, say, on The Price is Right. You know, uh, halfway through your third bowl of Cheetos, you look up and they're playing it there uh, on, at 1 a.m. The Price is Right is playing. And they'll do that game, Plinko. And the idea with Plinko is that one at a time, they'll drop a Plinko chip. The Plinko chips cascade down the board, bouncing off the pegs, moving horizontally as well as straight down the board until it emerges at the bottom of the board, landing in one of the prizes, or in my case, most likely no prize slots uh, at the bottom there. As it's designed, if you drop a chip and it happens to land in the best prize slot, it's always going to be found in the center of the board. But if you try to repeat that exact same drop following the same exact series of steps, whatever discs they still have, despite their best efforts, they're going to move toward another path. It's going to, the path is going to wind up going to a different slot. It's almost never an identical pathway. Now, surprisingly, this game is a perfect illustration of chaos theory, and it helps us understand things like the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, but more importantly to our conversation in finance, it helps us understand financial realities and really just the realities of the universe. Uh, so before I get into money, let me talk just quickly about something I've been learning about the universe uh, as I understand it as a pure layperson, just as it fascinates me. Now, as I understand it and what I've read at a fundamental level, the universe is quantum mechanical in nature. It's full of inherent uncertainty. Again, chaos is the word. Indeterminism is a fancy word there. Even full-time physicists who study quantum mechanics report being deeply troubled and unsettled with simple questions like, hey, where's that electron I'm studying right now? What is its location? What is the movement and direction of the thing I'm studying right now? If I look away from this electron, Will it do something other than what I see it doing right now? Determining probabilities, making predictions about the future is difficult because 
not because we're really ignorant, but because of the fundamental nature of a chaotic universe. No matter how well you set up that science experiment with deterministic equations, please realize that an unpredictable universe will throw monkey wrenches into all of your outcomes. Interestingly, however, if we zoom out from one Plinko chip and look at the chaotic movement of a thousand Plinko chips all falling at once, even though we don't know where each chip might land, we can be absolutely precise in our prediction about the large number of random events that are going to happen. This cascading waterfall of Plinko chips actually create a bell curve at the bottom of your Plinko board. Most of the Plinko chips will be at the center of the board and fewer will be out toward the edges. It creates almost a bell curve system. It's quite remarkable how it does this on its own through nature. Uh, so if you have a large number of chaotic events in a system, you'll start to notice patterns beginning to emerge. And you'll be able to even make predictions about the average Plinko chip, where it will land. And of course, this is the basic idea of statistics. In fact, one of my favorite quotes about this topic of chaos and order is by somebody named Sir Francis Galton. He invented the Galton board. And again, I'm going to show a picture of a Galton board in the show notes. So take a look at that when you get a second. His quote is, whenever a large sample of chaotic elements are taken in hand and marshaled in the order of their magnitude, an unsuspected and most beautiful form of regularity proves to have been latent all along. Now, chaos and beauty don't often go well together. But this is why when you have a large population of people, you can really predict how they're going to act or what they're going to do. Because even though their individual choices are random and chaotic, they're a part of a large system. You can predict what the average person is going to do. Now, this is how insurance companies are able to remain profitable in good times and bad during market downturns and market upswings. It's due to that same power of the law of large numbers. When you're tracking your own individual investment portfolio, stocks, bonds, target date funds you might have in your brokerage account or 401k, it's impossible to know how your financial life will unfold. But by using the power of the insurance company and the law of large numbers, you can have a predictable outcome in your life. The insurance company may not know exactly when one of us might pass away, but they can know with absolute precision the life expectancy of a large population of policyholders. Out of chaos brings a beautiful sense of order, that same bell-shaped curve that I'm describing. Now, for those who are investment inclined, you might have heard of a phrase called the Monte Carlo simulation. And the best way I can describe it is you take a thousand hypothetical scenarios or 10,000 market returns in order, and you lay them into a piece of software or Excel sheet, and it gives you an idea of the probability that your portfolio of stocks and bonds, whatever, will live as long as you do, won't crash, for example. And quite often, Monte Carlo scenarios are touted as sort of the gold standard for determining if you are on track or off track with regard to your finances, your retirement, your kid's college, all of it. It's one of the underlying foundational tools that investors use to see if they're on track or off track. But this is a fallacy because you know if you look at 10,000 investment returns, and you feel good about the prospects, it doesn't matter if you happen to be the one guy or the uh, one gal that ended up being on the wrong side of the Plinko board, as it were. Just because you looked at a average return scenario does not mean you're going to be in the averages. You might be among the outliers. 
the sequence of your returns in your real life cannot be unwound. That's right. I said unwound. That's probably, you know, one of those Southern words I picked up uh, living in Texas for seven years, but it's true. You can unwind your portfolio on a spreadsheet, but you can't do it in the real life. You have to keep moving forward. So when you're dealing with one portfolio, your portfolio, whether it's $100,000 or $10 million, you only got one shot at doing it right. But when you use the power of the law of large numbers and rely on the power of the insurance company, you know, you're not just tracking your own individual investment. You're not just tracking your own life expectancy. You're now participating in the massive Plinko board of the insurance company's general fund. So again, out of chaos brings beautiful order when you use the law of large numbers. And that's a really interesting insight, I feel, because quite often our life feels chaotic. And think about it. Each individual day you wake up, you don't know what's going to happen. It, it, it might feel like unpredictable chaos. You don't know what sort of dangers you might encounter. Maybe it's the unexpected phone call from your attorney. Maybe it's your rental property is now leaking or your tenant moves out unexpectedly. Maybe it's a headline in the news that changes the world economy with an invisible virus or a political revolution on the other side of the world. And maybe your retirement account gets dramatically impacted as a result. Maybe it's any number of disasters or positive outcomes. Your Plinko chip is moving through the board and it all feels a bit like chaos day in and day out. Maybe much like that Plinko board over time through the chaos, a beautiful pattern can emerge if you have the right tools to let that happen. Now, I have a question for you. And it's a question that changed my life. Sometimes those questions can truly change your life. Here's the question. What would it be like if you knew the outcome of your financial plan before you even started? I'm going to ask the question again. What would it be like? How would it feel if you knew the outcome of your financial plan before you even started? No matter what would happen in your financial life, you could predict with a high degree of confidence and certainty how the end result would appear even if you didn't know the particular circumstances that would make your life so interesting and so beautiful. We might not know if we're going to get a bonus at work this year, or if we're going to get disabled, or if we're going to have two kids or four kids in our lifetime. But we know in this particular hypothetical financial plan, we would know with absolute certainty and guarantees at age 65, let's say, here's our minimum guaranteed net worth written into our life insurance contract. Our lives might be chaotic, but they are not random. Over time, a beautiful pattern will begin to emerge. If you look at one day, it might seem like not too much is going on or even that it's chaos. But if you look back over your life, over my many chaotic days, I begin to see beautiful patterns beginning to emerge. Patterns of family, patterns of love, patterns of hope, patterns of serving others in our business. I want my money to support my pattern of life. I want my money itself to be predictable enough to follow that same pattern. Should my money align with my life or should it be trying to fight my life values? If I, one individual Plinko chip in the Plinko board of life, am fairly chaotic and unpredictable, you know, I don't know what my future holds, might it be helpful for me to have my outcome determined before I even begin? Couldn't I rely on the power of that Galton board where my outcomes are determined before I even begin? Using the power of the law of large numbers that insurance company offers us can give us the capacity to see our individual life's chaos turn into an incredibly beautiful and ordered outcome. Earlier this spring, my wife and I started our most recent policy, adding to our bank on yourself type policy portfolio. 
As I looked at the numbers on the new policy projections, I saw the guaranteed cash value increasing every single year. I also saw conservatively estimated dividends that were added on top of that guaranteed minimum cash value. And I could know with absolute precision precisely what my net worth was going to be in the policy, whether it was year one, year five, year 35, and at every point along the way. The rows on that spreadsheet going all the way down the page represented years of my life. And the engineer in me was certainly pretty happy and excited about that. But more importantly, I began to think about the emotions. I paused as I was reviewing the spreadsheet, just considering certain milestones in my life. Certain emotions started to rise. Might I be having a different feeling along the way now that this policy was in place? What about when my daughter turns 18? The cash value says I'll have such and such. How will I feel at that point? What if I have a death in the family at this particular year, that particular year, or God forbid, a disability? What if we have wonderful news about grandchildren someday on this such and such year? What about that surprising world trip that we'd like to go on someday? How about investing in a business or helping a family member? How does it feel to have all of the spontaneous, chaotic events of our life get balanced against the beautiful pattern of an ever-increasing cash value? It's truly an emotionally satisfying feeling to know that you've got your financial goals met on a guaranteed basis on your contract with the insurance company before you even start on your financial journey. The adventure is still there. I mean, really, who knows what's going to happen this afternoon or tomorrow, but you know the outcome on that financial plan is always guaranteed. A lot of people say, well, Mark, how in the world does the insurance company do it? What sort of magic beans do they have that Wall Street doesn't have? Is this some sort of scam? No. Not at all. The magic is in something known as mortality credits. And there's something that only insurance companies have access to. There's no way that you or I as an individual can plan for my average life expectancy. Let's say, for example, that your life expectancy is 84. But truly, you might live to 94. What do you do then? How's your money going to work if you outlive that money? You can't go back to work necessarily at age 84 if your money's gone and maybe you're living in a nursing home, whatever. Are you going to eat cat food, live in your car? What's going to happen there? You cannot plan for an average life. You can only plan for your life. You have to plan for longer mortality than the life expectancy tables of you know, Wall Street. And having to do that on your own, having to plan to live till 115, even if you might pass away at 75, that's highly inefficient. It's like driving your car across the country, but the gas gauge is not working and you don't know exactly when you're going to run out of gas. See guys, the insurance company does not have this same problem. They can price their products for average mortality. And what you're doing is essentially letting them have that problem of who's going to die first, who's going to live longer, and you're not having to deal with it. It's like the insurance company is driving a roadside pickup right behind you. So if your car does run out of gas, i.e. money in your portfolio, they'll automatically refill you up and keep you moving on down the road. Obviously, our show is called Not Your Average Financial Podcast. We cannot be average, but the insurance company can be. In fact, that's how they make this whole thing work. They use the law of averages over a large pool of people to determine who's going to make it to their 100th birthday and who's going to graduate early. Watching the stock market respond to the crisis in Ukraine and trying to predict what's going to happen next is not for the faint of heart. And as I'm recording this, they're still trying to figure it out over there on the other side of the ocean. But professional investors quickly shuffled, reshuffled all of their assets based on what they think is going to happen 
but it doesn't necessarily mean they're right. We often hear that Wall Street doesn't like uncertainty, and it often triggers bouts of volatility and wild swings in the stock market. But I think that certainty in the stock market outcome also presents its own sets of risks. Why? Because when you're certain about something with the stock market, you're often wrong. And that applies not just to the individual investor, but to mega professional investors as well. So even if you're not picking stocks, but you have a 401k with target date funds or index funds, they're still as exposed to this confidence risk as anybody is. If you're sure about something, and then there's a big sudden change based on something you didn't predict, you'll probably live to regret your certainty. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a soldier in the heat of battle. Maybe you're a Roman foot soldier or a medieval archer, or maybe a Zulu warrior, regardless of time and place. And there are some things that are constant. Your adrenaline, as that warrior soldier, your adrenaline is elevated. Your actions are stemming from these deeply ingrained reflexes rooted in a need to protect yourself and to defeat the enemy. So now I'd like to imagine with you that you're playing a very different role, and that is of the scout. The scout's job is not to attack or defend. The scout's job is to simply understand. The scout is the one that's going to be mapping out the terrain, identifying potential obstacles, and the scout may hope to learn that, say, there's a bridge in a convenient location across the river. But above all, the scout wants to know what's really there as accurately as possible. And in an actual army, both the soldier and the scout are going to be essential. And you can think of them even as roles and mindsets, a metaphor even, for how to process information and ideas in our daily lives. and. I'm going to say that having good judgment and making accurate predictions and decisions is mostly about where your mindset is. Now, market certainty is a case of what scientists call motivated reasoning. Now, this is a study done by Julia Galef, who did a great TED Talk on this topic. Now, Julia Galef, uh, a psychological researcher, came up with this concept of motivated reasoning. And that's where market certainty comes from, it comes from this motivated reasoning. It's a phenomenon in which our unconscious motivations and desires shape the way we interpret information and ideas. See, we want our ideas to win. In fact, we will defend our ideas and other information or ideas can be viewed as the enemy and we want to shoot those ideas down. So for example, let's look at this through the lens of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. How did that affect certainty or uncertainty? that uncertainty equation for investors. In fact, it's kind of amazing the way Wall Street has this mega amnesia. So as recently as a week, one week before the invasion of Ukraine, most professional investors were convinced that when the Federal Reserve met in March, the Fed was going to raise interest rates by 50 basis points, up by half a percentage point. But then just one week later, unexpectedly, Russia invades Ukraine and bang, just like that, everybody then decides, no, no, now I'm certain that 50 basis points is off the table. Maybe, they were saying at the time, maybe interest rates won't go up at all. But if they do go up, they're not going to go up by 50 basis points. But you know what didn't happen one week later after the invasion started? Nobody had that sort of self-honesty moment to say, well, yeah, I was so certain last week, and now I'm so certain this week, and I'm certain about the way things are now. And I was certain, just as certain, one week ago about the way things were then, 
but they don't see that complete contradiction. They don't say to themselves, hey, maybe I shouldn't be so certain. All it took was one seemingly surprising event from across the oceans to transform most people's forecast about an uncertain event. They took one form of certainty and replaced it with another just like that. So this is why researcher Julia Galef calls motivated reasoning the soldier mindset. And while probably most of us have never had to make market timing calls on world events or other financial black swans, we can all say that maybe, yeah, we followed sports or politics and maybe you noticed that the sports referee judges your team and commits a foul. For example, you're going to be highly motivated to count why that referee was wrong. But if the referee judges the other team has committed a foul, awesome, great call, great job, referee. It's not going to be examined too harshly. Or maybe you're inclined to believe that the market will always go up. So you ignore and poke holes through any articles or podcasts that say a crash might be coming. Guys, see, our judgment is strongly influenced unconsciously by which side we want to win. And this is all over the place. The shape, it, it, it actually shapes how we think about our health, our relationships, how we decide to vote, what we consider fair. What's most scary to me about motivated reasoning or the soldier mindset is how unconscious it is. And we think we're being objective and fair-minded when we still wind up being totally, totally wrong. So what can we do? Instead of a soldier mindset, Julia Galef says, have a scout mindset. It's the drive not to make one idea win or lose, but just to see, see as clearly and as honestly and as accurately as you can, even if it's not pretty or convenient or pleasant, but how do you cut through your own prejudice and bias and motivations and just try to see the facts and the evidence as objectively as you can? The answer is emotions. See, the soldier mindset is rooted in emotions like defensiveness and tribalism, whereas the scout mindset is rooted in emotion, but just different emotions. So for example, scouts are curious. They're more likely to say that they feel pleasure when they learn new information or have that itch to solve a puzzle. They're more likely to feel intrigued when they're encountering something that contradicts their expectations. Scouts also have different values. They're most likely to say that they think it's virtuous to test their own beliefs. And they're less likely to say that someone who changes his or her mind on something appears weak or that they are less worthy. All scouts are grounded, which means that their self-worth as a person isn't tied to being right or wrong. And while they might be right sometimes and wrong other times, they understand that, hey, they can be wrong. Even if they thought interest rates were going to go up or down, for example, if they end up being wrong, they simply admit it to themselves and say, hey, looks, looks like I was wrong. Doesn't mean I'm bad or stupid. And I think what this should tell stock investors and really anybody in the financial world is that it's much better to think in terms of probabilities and ranges of outcomes than it is to think about a particular point where everyone would be better off being a little more humble about the ability uh, of forecasts, financial forecasts, to determine where that one Plinko chip is going to land. Again, what's going to happen next with the world economy? I don't know. What's going to happen with interest rates? I don't know. But I do know I can rely on the Galton effect, the Galton board. Learn to lean on probabilities and learn to lean on outcomes. What is the probability that your particular investment is certainly going to happen? If you feel certain that Wall Street will act in a rational way with your singular Plinko chip, known as your financial life, keep on watching that board and hope that your price is right.
On the other hand, if you can own the entire board, I want you to imagine now you own the entire board and all the 10,000 chips on that Galton board are yours. Then you can bet on the certainty of the law of large numbers will play itself out. You can be certain in that case. So when we notice that we might've been wrong about something, we need to team up and lean on that law of large numbers. Learn to feel intrigued instead of defensive when we encounter some information that contradicts our beliefs. So the question I just want to leave for you is, what do you most yearn for? Do you yearn to defend your own beliefs, hoping and praying that your outcome is certain? Or do you yearn to see the world as clearly and as possibly as you can, to zoom out from your Plinko chip and see the entire Plinko board with all 10,000 chips landing exactly as you'd expect? Uh, so guys, again, check out the show notes to see an image of this Galton board, which has really caught my attention lately. And think about it. What is your personal financial goal? Do you want that certainty to come alongside your chaotic life to give you a financial outcome that's determined before you even begin? So guys, thank you for listening to the end here. If you've listened to the end, you're obviously considering what it means to have a predictable financial future, a beautiful but chaotic financial future. And that's something that I've found over the last decade plus of having bank on yourself in my personal financial portfolio and watching clients have them all across the country with all manner of stages of life and financial acumen. You know, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to realize that your personal financial chip has very little predictability. But when you have the entire financial board under your control, you'll win by default. If you have a question, simply go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Click on request a meeting. I'd be happy to sit down, chat with you, answer any questions of really just 15 minutes. And I'd be happy to see if this would be a strategy that would be helpful for you in your financial life. So with all that, guys, thank you for joining me for this wonderful adventure called the Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.